Radio Drone. What's up, homie? It's another episode of Radio Drone, and we're starting off totally racist. Yo, huh, Brad Jones? I love how 30 seconds ago you were, guys, guys, let, let's not be racist about this. I just figured I'd come out fun, okay? <laughs> All right, so obviously tonight's topic is going to be black exploitation. But before that, you can go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, and they probably have some black exploitation porno at adamandeve.com using the promo code DROME to get 50% off of a single item. Not one, not two, but three free DVDs, a free mystery gift, and free U.S. shipping, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. There's we- a movie that I've got to get sometime. I remembered this the other day. It was There was several months ago that me, Jake, and Sarah, and Jillian were at a, one of the porno shops here in town. And in one of the sections, it was it was the gay section. And there was a black guy on the cover and a white guy, just muscle-bound like crazy. And the name of the movie was Coffee and Cream. <laughs> there's one i saw on one of the meme sites i don't know if it's a real movie or if it was just you know like a photoshop thing one one like skinny little white dude surrounded by a bunch of black guys and the title was poor little white boy <laughs> oh no <laughs> and i'm like that's hilarious that's did fantastic. he have a, a tear coming down his eye <laughs> i'm not sure but i'm just like poor little white boy indeed oh my god <laughs> but come on that is actually so brutal it's probably real i i i, I gotta find this movie Brad's on Google now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm searching. I'm, I'm gonna find this. I'm gonna find this freaking movie. <laughs> well, tonight's topic is going to be black exploitation. We're gonna try and be not as racist as my opening was, with three white guys in their 30s talking about the black power movement in film from the 70s. Mm. I think it's gonna be a little unavoidable, don't you? <laughs> well, we don't have like... Irving. we don't have Irving on here. We should be fine. Ah, good point. Like, we haven't been racist already with the porno and talking about, like, black cocky. Alex, what was your first black exploitation film? The first film that introduced you to what we consider black exploitation? Probably, and it was a parody of it, actually, but I'm gonna get you, sucker. It's sucker. It's sucker. There's an A at the end, not an R. Just one more reason to prove how white we are. He just said, I'm gonna get you, sucker. Well, I could have said. <laughs> I am going to get you, sucker. It's I am going to get you, sucker. God, use use proper grammar. Jesus. Not even an explanation exclamation point. It's I'm going to get you, sucker. Period. So, Brad, what was your first black exploitation film? You know, I think it might have been Dolomite. That's probably not I, a great introduction to the genre. I, I think. think. I think it might have been. Hey, if you're going to start out with any, start out with the most stereotypical of black exploitation movies. And see, I started out with Ralph Bakshi's animated Coonskin, which is considered one of the most racist black exploitation movies, but it really isn't when you really get down to it, despite what the NAACP and Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson in their idiotic protests would would let you believe but i don't know if that speaks more to my nerdism that my first black exploitation film was an animated film well mostly animated or or if that was just a coincidence i chalk it up as coincidence because we pretty much grew up watching the same movies yeah and recently okay black exploitation has had a weird sort of comeback and the direct-to-video scene from the late 90s to today but yeah. this was a here's a question that that i asked on live nude geeks Black exploitation. When you say the term, it makes you think of that era from about seventy-two to about seventy-nine, right? Yeah. Yes. You consider like the 
in all the in the hood movies from the 90s you know menace to society boys in the hood juice that kind of stuff do you consider that black exploitation kind of 2.0 or is black exploitation just a 70s thing black exploitation in general no i don't it, it, not even 2.0 really there's gosh that's a tough question because those movies that you just said menace to society boys in the hood like that i I really wouldn't uh, in the sense that those movies are they have an ambition to them and they have they have a little bit more to say than something like Dolomite and something like uh Hell Up in Harlem not saying that there weren't movies in the 70s like that that were also trying to do the same thing but movies that movies of that time in the 70s that would be considered black exploitation that were also simultaneously trying to have a voice to them still very much fit the same style of filmmaking that a lot of the campier stuff had as well whereas boys in the hood and men's society and stuff like that didn't even have that i'm gonna first agree with brad the fact that menace to society and boys in the hood that those ones wouldn't quite be black exploitation because well a they're good movies, and they do have something to say. They have the ambition to them, like he mentioned, but I would consider the ripoffs of those movies to be a kind of yeah. black exploitation 2.0. Cause those to ones... give it a good, yeah, to give it a good analogy, I mean, that's like comparing Goodfellas to, like, Mr. Scarface with Jack Palance from the 1970s. Like that, because the ripoffs don't have ambition, so those ones are... I'd consider those to be a kind of contemporary black exploitation. So do you consider then that using that that kind of thought process that Boys in the Hood is not black exploitation but it kicked off the imitators that did black exploitation 2.0? Do you consider the same thing for the 70s version where the first generally recognized black exploitation movie was Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song? Do do you consider that then all the movies that followed it, like Shaft and Coffee and even well, Blackula is pretty clear black exploitation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, but you consider things like Coffee or or Shaft or or even Black Caesar or anything like that. Do you consider those kind of in that same ripoff, or were they just kind of expanding on what Sweet Sweetback did? No, I think they were just expanding. I wouldn't consider. I wouldn't. I, I certainly. I think there at the beginning, maybe there were there were some that were certainly imitated by Sweet Sweetback. But once it got deeper and deeper into that decade, it really became its own thing. Especially when you get into something like Coffee, and when you get into something like off the top of my Lady Coco and Velvet Smooth and stuff like that. Because well, especially like I mean, Coffee in and of itself, like spawned other stuff like Lady Coco and like Velvet Smooth and movies like that, you know, TNT Jackson. But it's very much still black exploitation, of course, when you have busty Pam Greer with a shotgun saying, you don't push in motherfucker. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely black exploitation. Yeah, well, and to me, when I think of black exploitation, I don't even think of the films like Shaft or Black Caesar. I think of the ones that are just pure what the hell were you thinking? Like Blackenstein, Dr. Black uh -huh. and Mr. Hyde, or even I, even the zombies of Sugar Hill. I agree with what you're I, I do agree with that because tonally, something like uh, Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde and uh, Black Caesar and Shaft, tonally, those movies are way different, are way different from each other. I can see how something like Shaft, Superfly, 
uh, Black Caesar, I can see how they get lumped in with that other stuff. I, I certainly can. But I don't go there and I don't immediately think of those right away when I think of pure black exploitation. I think much campier. I think much more low budget. Whereas, whereas something like Shaft, for the kind of movie it is, is a relatively decent size budgeted movie that happens to be about a black cop. Uh, a black private dick, remember? Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. Well, there are movies that definitely did expand on it, and there were rip-offs of each of those movies. Yeah. As Brad said. W- what was actually the first Supernatural one? Uh, was Blackula the first, or did Sugar Hill come before Blackula? I know Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde and Blackenstein were after Blackula, but I can't remember if Sugar Hill was pre- or post-Blackula. Wait, what about JD's Revenge? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think JD's Revenge was definitely later, because that's when the real... We'll just take a normal movie, you know, whether black, white, no matter what, and we'll just blacken it up. That, that, that I think, was where JD's Revenge came in. How... Yeah, JD's Revenge is like Black Exorcist. Yeah, black Exorcist is like, is Abby. And I, I, Abby, I think, was maybe like 75. Four, I think I might be wrong about I, that, but wasn't Abby Blackula was the Black Exorcist. Wasn't Blackula seventy three? I think maybe maybe seventy four. Do you think of Shaft? Do you think of uh, do you think of Shaft as a black exploitation movie? Even though it spawned all of all of these movies that can certainly be that are certainly are the stereotypical sense of a black exploitation movie. The first Shaft, no. Yeah. Shaft's uh-huh. big score and Shaft goes to Africa. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that that franchise, if you'll give it that, did lapse into self-parody. So the uh-huh. initial Shaft movie, no. That mm-hmm. I think it had a point, and it was trying to be a good film. Mm-hmm. The other two were just, we're going to make new Shaft movies and capitalize on a really popular genre now. I and agree about, I agree with that. I agree, I agree with that. How about the remake? The remake, uh, I, I only made it about an hour into that, so I don't know if it got any better, but that was absolutely awful. And I, I really do like John Singleton. I just think he was so misguided in that, especially keeping it in continuity, too. But it, I it, saw that movie once when it was in theaters. I've not seen it since, and I just remember being very disappointed. Yeah, because it, it doesn't feel like it's part of the Shaft franchise. And if you want to see something that really, and this is out on DVD now, something that really is part of the Shaft franchise and feels right, even though it's watered down, is the Shaft TV series. Remember that from the late 70s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really good. And it's it it tackled some issues that I'm surprised made it on 70s TV. It's in either the second or third episode, a bunch of white guys in blackface, talking all black and all, you know, went and robbed a bank. So people would think it was a black gang, and they were actually the police officers that were going to be hunting this black gang. And Shaft was the only one that figured out it was white guys pretending to be black. Oh wow! That's pretty progressive for late seventies television, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little, just just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And so I I liked the TV series a lot, and the TV series was less of a TV series and more TV movies because they were in ninety minute time slots mm-hmm. with only fifteen minutes of commercials. So the day, each episode's an hour and 15 minutes. It's mm-hmm. almost like a Shaft movie series. So I liked that better. But do you think that that the, the real cash-ins, like the Blackulas and Blackensteins, 
Do you think those started to hurt the genre more than than they brought attention to it? Because I'll go out on the record right here. I think the first Blackula film is really a damn good movie. I think it's solid. I think it's, it's way better flick. than its title would indicate. Yeah, it is. It, it is. It is. I mean, you know, on, quite honestly, honestly, there's uh, quite a few of those that that really are. I don't think it hurt it because even when there was something out there during that time that was noticeably better, people still recognized it as being better. People still credited it as being really, really good. You know, uh, while you had a lot of the really, really, really cheap ones that were that were thrown out there to make a quick buck, people still recognized the difference between that and Superfly, you know, even with a lot of the really laughable, like, schlocky stuff put out there, they were still continually making really pretty damn good ones, and the ones that were really good did get note. they did get noticed, they did get the acclaim that they did, that they deserved, so I think it would have, I think that they would have hurt the genre if those movies that were good were lopped in with all of those ones that weren't, and they were all just written off at the same thing, but they really weren't. Unfortunately, they kind of are today, though. Because today, nah, Ava, I don't see that today. I, I don't see that today. I, if I do, it's from somebody who just doesn't know any better. And, and, and I, I think and, I think that's what most of it is: is people that don't know any better. Yeah, but I those see, people who don't know any better aren't going to watch something like that anyway. That's true. Yeah. But the way I look at at the '70s black exploitation, and I, I watched a 2002 documentary recently called "Badass Cinema" that IFC produced. I'm glad that there was one person in the documentary that really stood up and called bullshit on what a lot of the black historians and film critics that were interviewed had to say. They seemed to make that black exploitation was all about taking Hollywood back from the white man, and we're using the white man's own tricks against him and. This one black historian, she had the balls to say, no, Melvin Van Peebles said outright, Sweet Sweetback was made because he wanted to make an inflammatory movie that he knew would make money. He wasn't trying to create a genre. He was looking to make money. It only after the fact, when people started ascribing all of this political relevance, he's like, yeah, man, I was making a statement against the white man, man. And well, I think let's, that's let's, what happened to black exploitation. It got too wrapped up in we're taking Hollywood back from the white man and not concentrated enough on let's make some really good, powerful, honest black character movies. Well, and a lot of directors of the genre, too, were white. Jack Hill. Hell, freaking Dick Miller wrote TNT Jackson. Larry Cohen. Yeah, Larry Cohen. Yeah, black yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly, exactly. It wasn't about like, oh, we're taking it from the white man kind of thing. That it's exploitation. That the ripoffs of the ones that were good, like Sweet Sweetback, that started the genre, the ripoffs were exploiting a trend, like exploitation does. Especially looking back at it, and this is another thing that that documentary brought up. That even the historians said black exploitation tended not to have a, a lot of heroes. It had anti-heroes. Almost all of the main characters in a black exploitation film were criminals and thugs, and that kind of fed into how the white people saw the blacks at that time, that you're just thugs. Do you think black exploitation actually hurt race relations, or do you think it helped it? Well, I don't think it... 
they weren't the villains of those movies. Uh, but least... in a lot of cases, they were murderous thugs, or like in Superfly's case, he was a drug dealer, or they were pimps. And I mean, Shaft is probably the most upstanding one of of that genre, isn't he? In the Pam Greer movies, uh, she was she was always on the up and up in those in those flicks. When you got it, uh, but I I I mean. Yeah, I mean, there were quite a bit of them. There were certainly quite a bit of them when, like, they they were, the characters were pimps, drug dealers, and 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 stuff like that. I I don't know what to say about that, really. I mean, there's plenty of movies at the time too that starred you know, white people who were also anti-heroes and taxi were driver. Kind of thank you, yeah, Travis Bickle, taxi driver. You know, there's plenty of movies like that on the other side. You know, Alex DeLarge, Clockwork Orange. I mean, it's it's not something that's specific just to the black exploitation genre, but I I don't know. I mean, I I I when I looked at movies like that, I I didn't see even if they were an anti-hero, I didn't see a bad person. I didn't see a a villainous a villainous guy or or anything like that. But that's just my opinion on it. I also saw that. You know, in a lot of cases, the few white people in there were also villains. The cops would shoot without asking questions, or they were going up against the mobs. So even the white people weren't exactly upstanding citizens in a lot of those, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was always the, uh, I mean, not always, but, you know, a lot of times, yeah, there was the two corrupt white cops one of them was usually named officer white <laughs> they all looked, <laughs> yeah they, just to take all subtlety out of it yeah they all looked like freaking joe don baker i mean you know like. yeah they weren't going after innocent people i mean they may have been kind of anti-heroes but they weren't targeting innocent people they were going after a greater evil than themselves the corrupt cop or the mobsters so they weren't yeah bad they didn't make bad for bad role models, I guess you would say. <laughs> yeah, it was like watching. It was it's you know some of some of them were like watching like an old, especially in the case of Black Caesar, it's like watching an old '30s gangster movie. Okay, then do you think that like you just brought up the black gangster movie? Do you think that black exploitation as a subgenre of film in and of itself? splintered too far into its own subgenres. You had the black mob movies, you had the black horror movies, you had the black comedies, you know, and I mean that in the literal sense. And you, you it kind of splintered off, I think, too far too fast, or do you disagree with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, they can't keep making the same movie, so that just shows that it's just progressing as a subgenre. You know, you've got horror flicks, you've got comedy, you've got spoof, you've got action. You know, that to me, that to me, that's a good thing, because then it, it ceases to be repetitive because of that. Oh, and I'm not disagreeing with that. I just think it splintered too far too fast, because really the Black Exploitation only had about a seven year run when we think of the classic 70s version. And I think there were so many subgenres. It kind of it, it's it's sort of what happened to the slasher film in the early 80s. You know, it splintered too far too fast. There were too many of them. Well, I mean, I can't in terms of the black exploitation flicks. I mean, I can't really say anything about that. I mean, I I wasn't there. <laughs> you know, I in, back in the in the 70s when when all of those were pretty prominent. I mean, I I wasn't there, so I didn't notice if they were going too far too fast or, or anything like that. Hell, I I the first time I saw a black exploitation flick, I was probably 
I don't know, it was probably the late 80s, and whatever movie it was would have been over 10 years old. I wouldn't say that it just splintered off way too fast. I think, like anything, it was a fad, and fads come and go. I mean, with any filmmaking you know, style, with anything yeah. that's popular, s- slashers... It's not that they went too fast, it's just that they stopped being popular. Same thing with black exploitation. really. It got to a point where it wasn't popular anymore. Well, then, do you think it was a good idea to to make, say, the black horror films that we've already discussed, whether they're ridiculous or not, like Blackenstein? Do you think that was a great way to grab not only your black audience, but your white audience that wanted to see a vampire flick or a zombie flick or something? Do you think that was sort of crossover? Well, I think that it's it's no more crossover than if it's comedy or if it's action or if it's any other genre. You know, if you've got a black exploitation flick that's, you know, revenge action, if you got one that's kind of dark drama, you got a gangster one, you've got some other stuff, then why not a horror film? Makes sense. Like look at the zombies nowadays. All the zombie movies that are made. They're all yeah. just coming up with a new, okay, where can we put zombies now? What kind of zombie comedy zombie romance you know it was the same thing with black exploitation you had black zombie movies black dracula movies black comedies you know well to me the one that really struck me as the strangest of the black exploitation subgenres was the kung fu films that came out after bruce lee like uh like black belt jones like black belt jones tnt jackson and you've got the more ridiculous ones like Soul Brothers of Kung Fu, Black Ninja. You've got ones like that. And then you even have ones like Enter the Dragon. Those The Jim Kelly flashback scenes to when he's in America? Yeah. That's pure black exploitation film that's uh-huh. just in, an, in a Kung Fu film. Yeah, yeah. Black Bell Jones is awesome. I even even put that like technically on the same level as some of Bruce Lee's stuff. As hey. much as I enjoy that movie. Alex, why don't you do them dishes? Bang, bang, bang! Dishes They're are done. done. <laughs> but you, you... Or after that, the little kid watches her fight, and he comes running in. She is good, man. I mean, she's bad. <laughs> and, and Jim Kelly's just charismatic as hell. Jim Ke- Jim Kelly's, to me anyways, very underrated as an actor. To me, like Jim Kelly, I'm, t- I'm talking about Black Belt Jones here. Jim Kelly is such a good actor in that movie. He gives such a solid performance as an action guy that he actually makes, there's a scene where he actually makes Colt 45 sound good. Well, and, <laughs> and, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to take anything away from Black Belt Jones, but I thought he was on equal footing with Bruce Lee and John Saxon in, in Enter the Dragon. I totally agree with that. Jim yeah. Kelly Jim Kelly is charismatic as hell. I, I think that was his first movie, Enter the Dragon, because I think it says introducing Jim Kelly in that. Yeah. So that, that might even have been his first film. I was kind of bummed when he got killed at, like, the two-thirds mark, you know? I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of bummed out at that. But then, you know, the the... the Kung Fu one, that's one I just, you wouldn't think the martial arts and the 70s black movement, especially with you know, like the Black Panthers and that coming up, really don't seem to go together, yet they, they worked. And I think that's a testament to some of those movies. I mean, all right, TNT Jackson, not really all that well acted, and it's got some really god-awful fight scenes. I mean, I don't think, yeah. I don't think you'll fight with me that the choreography in that is pretty goddamn awful i did kind of like there, there was that one scene that was kind of genius where she blended into the 
she turned the lights out and blended into it by taking her clothes <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, real you want to talk I, black exploitation? That is black exploitation. Real quick, I need to I need to correct myself earlier when I was talking about the Colt forty five thing with Jim Kelly. I I said black belt Jones. That was I slip of the tongue. That was death dimension. Okay. For anyone, for anyone corrects me on the comments. Well, what about ones like? Now, it's not even a black exploitation movie in the traditional sense, but like Death Machines definitely has a black exploitation element to it, or even something like like Larry Cohen's God Told Me To. Mm-hmm. All that stuff in the pool hall with the pimp—that mm-hmm. is pure, purely Cohen going back to his Black Caesar days. Yeah, I don't think that makes it a black exploitation film. But... No, but it's got black exploitation elements. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's got the elements for that scene. Well, why do you think then black exploitation burnt out almost as fast as it rose? Because black exploitation, the you know 1972, there were three or four. By 1977 or so, they were putting out 15, 20 of these a year. By 1979, none. Why do you think black exploitation burned out the way it did? Do you think just America as a whole changed? Race relations changed? Or we just got inundated with so many of these that it was like the slasher boom of the late 80s that there's just no market anymore for it. I think it goes back to what Alex said earlier that it was a, it was a niche, it was a genre that was certainly a fad. And it, it just simply, like, like a lot of other things from the 70s, like disco, like some other stuff, it just, you know, it, eventually it just went away. You know, that, that'll, that, that'll, that'll just happen. You know, look, there's, there's a lot of genres that do the same thing. And, and that doesn't mean they won't come, come back later. Cause in the late 90s, you know, we had that found footage fad and it went away for a while and then came back some years later. And again, it, it's probably going to go away again sometime. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think it just goes back to what he said earlier that, like any other very small subgenre like that, it's not going to stay around forever. Especially to that, that's just that's they were so 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 a product of their time. Oh yeah, and that time ended. So it when that ended, so did that genre. Well, do you think it got? to the point where it it lapsed into self-parody not just in the movies but even in the marketing when they tried to rebrand in the video era movies that were not black exploitation but that had black exploitation stars such as the original Inglorious Bastards being re-edited to make Fred Williamson seem like the main character and then retitled GI Bro. Do you That's think at I... that point it's just pure parody? Well, I think at that point we saw a little bit of a sort of resurgence in a way because at that time – minor, very, very minor. I mean because at that time you also had the release of uh, original gangsters that had all of those guys in it, at least a lot of the prominent ones. So I think it just kind of went along with that. You know, it had been 20 years since those movies kind of declined a bit. And with the release of uh, Jackie Brown, you know, it, some of them kind of had a resurgence a little bit. I think that that's just what that was when, when, that, when that started happening. I agree. And to go far as say is it was trying because for like a home video release, they're like, well, it didn't go- do good in theaters. What can we do to do better with rentals let's retitle it gi bro even when that came out that genre had been dead 
I, I have to think somebody in the marketing department of the company that released GI Bro was just kind of going, let's see if I can actually slip this past the bosses. Like Brad said, there was the resurgences of it here and there. Well, and then you've got, like like you brought up, the Jackie Brown and that. There are certain breakout stars who never really had a big lull. I mean, yeah, the movies might have gotten a little more obscure, like Fred Williamson and Pam Greer, and you had Richard Roundtree. But I think Pam Greer is probably the most successful black exploitation star to have remained in the limelight. Because Fred Williamson, I love the movies, Brad, so don't yell at me for this, but those Black Cobra movies were not the height of where his career should have been at that point. Do you agree? <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. You know, as enjoyable, as, enjoyable as they are. Yeah, but, but the, I mean, hell, most of them didn't even get a video release in America. I think the last two yeah. did, never even got released on video here. You had to get, you know, b- before DVD, I think Black Cobra 4, you could only get on the bootleg circuit off of Japanese VHS tapes. Yeah, he also did a lot more work in Italy, too, more than some of the other actors of the genre did. Warriors of the Wasteland. Warriors of the Wasteland. It's all that. Yeah. He exactly. was big in the, the Italian, the Italian road warrior knockoff genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was. And uh, I think part of his reasoning is, and he's he's kind of an arrogant jerk. In that in that badass cinema documentary, he he kind of blames the Hollywood system and racism in it for why he couldn't get work at that time. But uh-huh. it was really him being a jerk. He had three riders in his contract that to him were non-negotiable. He has to win all his fights, you can't kill him, and he always gets the girl at the end. Well, gee, I wonder wonder why a lot of producers didn't want to work with you, huh? (laughs) Those are kind of asshole writers, aren't they? I think that's what would have hurt his career more than just the genre dying off. Uh, I don't know, personally, but I mean, yeah, if you have something like that in your contract, yeah, certainly you got a little bit of ego to you, but... You know, I'm sure that there are many, 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 many stars out there who have sort of the exact same thing or at least the same type of thing in their contracts. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if that's necessarily what killed it, what hurt his career any. Uh, I think that I, I think that the, the fad dying contributed to that more than whatever would be in his contract. Well, do you think, like, in Pam Greer's case, I saw, it was either on the commentary, one of the documentaries on the Jackie Brown DVD, she said that her career was almost dead until Tarantino revitalized it with Jackie Brown. And I'm Uh not taking anything away from Jackie Brown, but I was constantly seeing Pam Greer in a bunch of relatively big stuff, like Above the Law, and that I never really thought her career hit a lull that she seemed to think it did. Well, you, she certainly you would I would see Pam Greer pop up in things, but not in but not to the focal point that she was in a lot of her movies in the 1970s. Like Above the Law, certainly there was that, but then there was also then there was also stuff like Ford Apache the Bronx, where which is a movie that I like, but she's far from being the star of it. She's in it as a psychotic murderous hooker who's in the movie every now and then not in it a lot but so there's that so but like jackie brown put her in the spotlight put her in the spotlight gave her a lead role which is something that she hadn't had in a long freaking time 
So I I certainly, especially in a movie that prominent, uh, well, that that big. So I I totally see what she's saying. Well, what about something like Escape from L.A. or or even Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? Yeah, she was supporting, but she's one of the first names on the marquee as well. Yeah, but very supporting, and I don't know what marquee I would have seen her name on there along with that other stuff. But again, that's far few in between. Yeah, every now and then she would pop up in a very, very minor supporting role in something that's mainstream, but that was not current that was not ongoing that was just every once in a while that would happen and an escape from la she comes into it maybe 70 or 80 minutes into the movie i agree with brad on this completely actually well and i'm just going to put it out there in those two movies i just mentioned escape from la and bill and ted's bogus journey she plays a guy in both of those because in bill and ted she's playing george carlin remember yeah and she's playing carjack malone former man in escape from la is it weird that she was still hot as a dude in both those movies? <laughs> she was hot, man. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> but, I mean, is that weird knowing that she was playing a dude in both of those? Oh, no. If you're hot, you're hot. <laughs> She's hot. Yeah, even as a dude. Yeah. Well, what about some of the the weirdly white people that came out of the exploitation genre, like Sid Haig? Sid Haig was in a surprising number of black exploitation movies, and he's not black. So that, that that's kind of interesting that, that that he would come out of that being known for his supporting roles like in Pam Greer films. Well, not every character in the movie could be black. I mean, like, you, you had to have uh, the character actor, you know, white villain in there as well. And, you know, Sid Haig fit those roles freaking perfectly. And he's he even really... in Jackie Brown. He's the judge that sentences her at the beginning. He's... Exactly. He's, he's he's the judge, you know. He he cuts an imposing figure, you know. He's, he's, a, he's a solid, fun, entertaining character actor. So, you know, it's like, uh, you know, when a when if like a black supporting actor comes out of any any other movie, you know, you just you just recognize a pretty fun performance when you see one, and that was Sid Haig's case. Yeah, he's a character actor. Um, he happened to do a lot of black exploitation, but he also did a bunch of stuff that wasn't black exploitation. Oh yeah, I saw him pop up in exactly. I saw him pop up in in roles similar to what he would play in the black exploitation movies in in movies from the seventies that 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 weren't. That weren't black exploitation, you know. He'd and he was basically and... playing a black exploitation villain even in his A Team episode. Remember, yeah, he was the, yeah, the exactly. gang leader. There was episodes of episodes of shows, you know, he'd pop up in some biker movies and stuff like that. And then, like, and there was Big Dollhouse, Big Birdcage, which he was in. Yeah. Well, and then you've also got this this weird thing with the modern black exploitation, since they usually had a couple of big white actors like uh, New Jack City. Had Judd Nelson on on the commentary, they said it was kind of difficult for Judd to have to say some of his borderline racist lines with a black director, black Uh co-stars, black producers, and or a movie like Rosewood. On the commentary, John Singleton says, you know, you've got Michael Rooker and Robert Patrick saying nigger this, nigger this, nigger this, you know, to these people's faces for eight, nine takes and then Mm -hmm. having to go sit down at lunch with these same people. I'm not trying to turn it around, but. Do you think that was awkward for some of the white people that were in these black exploitation movies to have to do what they did and then 
go and hang out with these guys afterwards? You think that was a little awkward for the black cast to separate the actor from the character? I I can't speak. Uh, there's no way I could possibly speak for the black actors in that role. But as someone who's th- that I've done some acting myself, me personally, I'd have no problem playing a part like that because it's not it's not me. It's not myself. It's it's a role. It, it it's a part, and that's just what the what the part entails. So of course I would do that. You know I you know I played a I played a freaking child molester in a movie once i played serial killers and snuff filmmakers and stuff like that so me speaking me personally like uh it's it's a part you know it, it's just it's 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 a part if you're playing a racist scumbag then you gotta say some shit that's gonna make you look like a racist scumbag but again you're not playing yourself it's just it's just a role it's 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 just it's a part yeah it really depends on the actor's ability to separate themselves from the role you know, there's some that can't that have a hard time doing it, but others... yeah, yeah, of course, of of course, there are. Uh, you know, I there was a, one of the earlier movies I did. I had a freaking rape scene. So yeah, when you're playing that dark of a freaking part, yeah, it, it it can be a little bit haunting. But you know, it doesn't make me feel awkward around my other actors well and i think some actors specifically avoid those roles like i was watching an interview with eric roberts and the interviewer asked him if there's any role he'd turn down just on the face and he said a child molester i will never play a child molester in a film because he doesn't think he could he could get into that part and then not hate himself so like you that's why you've never seen eric roberts play a pedophile before but then when it just comes to straight up black exploitation remembering the 70s genre do you think when the 90s Blaxploitation 2.0, if we're going to label it that, what do you think really started that? Do you think it was Boys in the Hood? I would actually go New Jack City really oh. kind of kicked off Blaxploitation 2.0. Do you agree I, or disagree? Well, I don't know if I'd call it Blaxploitation 2.0 because I don't consider those movies to be Blaxploitation, but whichever one came out first, sure. Did New Jack <laughs> City come out before... Yeah, I think New Jack City was the first one of that of the modern black exploitation genre. Yeah, yeah, like then sure, then yeah, I guess New Jack City would be very inspirational in that regard, but I I don't consider those black exploitation films. Well, I'm not looking at time frames here, so I'll just take your word that New Jack City came first. I'm so pretty sure started so it. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure New Jack City came first. So, when it comes to black exploitation, what do you like about it, Brad? Do you do you just think that they were these were good movies that were a product of their time, or do you look at them with the big afros and kind of giggle at the platform shoes and the pimp outfits? Because I know people that love black exploitation because that that sort of Ed Wood nonsense. Oh man, it's so bad, it's good. I think a lot of these are really good films on their own. Totally. There's a lot of them that are, but there there are some that you do laugh at because of the suits and because of how Superfly. Superfly. Don't. I'm sorry, that movie is so dated. Oh, Superfly, I think is one of the best of the genre. By far, do I think Superfly is one of the best. Yeah, they're wearing some pretty bright suits, you know, and stuff like that in it. But why wouldn't he be wearing something like that? That's exactly what his character would be wearing in terms of acting, in terms of how the movie's made. That's an incredibly well-made 
and very well acted and emotional film. Uh, what I'm thinking of in terms of laughing at really, really stereotypical stuff like that with how they're talking with hairstyles with suits, that's very much something like Dolomite. You watch Dolomite for reasons like that. Or, or, uh, or Yafet Koto embarrassing himself in Monkey Hustle. Yeah, I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen that, but uh, I, I haven't seen that since probably junior high. I, I, I felt embarrassed for Yafet Koto, an actor I really like, the fact that he yeah. was in Monkey Hustle. But I, but it's, it's certainly, it certainly is a product of its time, definitely. But there's so many of them that you can get different kinds of emotions out of many 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 of them some of them you watch as an action film they work as action films some of them are straight up comedies and the and if they're good then they're funny other ones pack a much more emotional punch to me superfly does that and then there's ones that are very they're very much what you kind of think of in your head when you think of that genre like Blackenstein, like Abby, the Black Exorcist movie. And again, Dolomite, which is just straight up absurd and freaking laughing at the movie. So that, that's my feeling on it. I mean, it's, it's like any other subgenre. There's some that work, there's some that work, there's some that don't work, and ones that work, a lot of them work for different reasons. Yeah, there are a lot that, because um, for the most part, I like the exploitation genre the, for the same reason I like any kind of genre these are fun movies they yeah. just they just happen to have black people in them but that's not a problem yeah because the way I look at like and, like, um, like but, the first shaft like the first shaft movie it's a pretty decent detective thriller to me it's mm-hmm. not a black detective yeah. thriller it's a detective thriller yeah 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 and as far as the other ones, I don't really like look at those as oh these are about blacks. That I'm like oh these are just crappy sequels to Shaft. Well, and and like you know the the main the main point the main point of a lot of the lower budgeted ones is to be entertaining, you know. And if they're entertaining, then they they've gotten the job done. Then they then they work. What about something that? I've never considered like the movie I'm about to mention black exploitation, but I see it on a lot of lists, and that would be something like Car Wash. Do you consider Actually, Car yeah, Wash I... a black exploitation film? It's certainly marketed that way, but Richard Pryor is only in that for what, like ten, fifteen minutes. But but not even for Richard Pryor. I mean, out of the main characters, leaving out George Carlin and the owner of the car wash, I think every other character. There's the white Texan guy. Otherwise, all the other characters are black, Indian, or Latino. So I know it was marketed as a black exploitation film, and you do have that big subplot with you know Bill Duke in his first role as as Dwayne. My name's Abdullah. You know, and so I don't know. Do you call it, it, that black exploitation? Because I never really did. But then when I thought about it, I went, yeah, kinda. Kinda. It's debatable. It has, like we said earlier, it has elements of it, definitely. Whether or not it's straight out black exploitation, that can be that can be debatable. Yeah, it has elements, but I wouldn't consider it just outright black exploitation. Heck, I'd consider something like Friday or Barbershop to be exploitation before Car Wash. Black exploitation. Definitely Friday. (laughs) Definitely Friday. A lot more than Car Wash is. Well, because I picked up a VHS of Car Wash when released in the mid to late '90s, and on the back, they it was so clear that this was being sold. 
as a black exploitation film, and of course it put on there Richard starring Richard Pryor for his you know glorified cameo that he has. It's got George yeah. Carlin and Richard Pryor's names on there, and they have a combined total of 10, 15 minutes maybe, because Carlin just kind of wanders in and out of the movie. It's not a George Carlin movie. It's not a Richard Pryor movie. They just happen to be in the movie. Yeah, and they're both on the cover. Well, it's the same thing with that like that, that 1986 Trick or Treat movie, starring oh, Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne, yeah, who were barely in, in this film. Then you put it in, and it's starring Skippy from Family Ties. Yeah. So you've got that kind of thing, but you do kind of have this black exploitation come back around the same way, like when Tarantino and Rodriguez did Grindhouse, how it kind of brought all these Grindhouse collections. You've got all these black exploitation films put out now, and I think one of the problems is they're put out by people who don't care. Because like I've got a set called Bad Ass Mothers, and it's clearly marketed to the these movies are so bad you'll love them kind of crowd that I was alluding to before. I think that's the wrong way to market a lot of these black exploitation films. <laughs> it's one way to get them cheap, that's for sure. Well, oh, I don't yeah. mind. Yeah, I don't mind when I'm at literally at the car wash and I'm buying a black exploitation DVD set for five bucks. And I'm just saying you're not really marketing to the right audience. I think. Yeah, I, I think they just want to. Yeah, it's a situation where you know they just want to put out some movies like that on a cheap set and like whether they're they're taking like vhs transfers and just putting them on a dvd and selling them for like five bucks hell there'd be some where not every movie on there would even be black exploitation like bad brother i think i had like the bad brothers and mean mothers set that like i mean sure it had like tnt jackson and get get christy love on it but then it would then it would also have some shot on shitio movie starring a white guy in a mullet with a pink tank top on. Yeah, the the, the badass mother said I've got has got GI Bro. Yeah. Which is really Inglorious Bastards. Not yeah. you know, when you think black exploitation, you don't think World War Two fighting the Nazis in France movie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. That's not what you think of when you think black exploitation. So yeah, I, I just think these are mismarketed. They're not marketed to the right audience. They should be marketed to people like us and the uh-huh. people listening to this show and not to your, hey, man, there's a movie called Soul Brothers of Kung Fu. This will be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I think. That's kind of, I think, black exploitation today in culture, it doesn't have the respect I think the genre deserves. It does from the right people. From the right people, it does. People like us who, that yes, who general, yeah. generally like these movies. Yeah, yeah. But 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 the people who kind of make fun of it though, real like I said earlier, really aren't going to be watching a lot of those movies anyway. It's the same kind of people like I brought up before that watch Plan Nine because it's so bad it's good, and not and they're not able to see all that Ed Wood actually accomplished on basically nothing. Yeah, well, I mean, but Plan 9 is a really bad movie. Yeah, <laughs> But it's a fun movie and not in the so bad it's so so good it's bad kind of genre. I think it's just a fun movie because it's a fun movie. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I sure, I, I never thought of Plan 9 as a fun movie, but I, I know I know what you mean. I, I, I do know what you mean. As we're getting to ready to wrap here, Alex, your final thoughts on black exploitation as a genre, whether it's the 90s or the 70s? As a genre, well, to differentiate between the two, I definitely prefer the ones in the 70s. 
That modern stuff, I can't stand at all. It's tenuously black exploitation at that. But I can continue to watch black exploitation movies. In fact, I've been watching a bunch this past week and have just been enjoying it the whole time. They're fun movies. They're just as fun as any other from any part of the exploitation genre. Yeah, I agree with what he said with a lot of those movies. The point of them is to be entertaining, you know? It, it's to be it, it's to be a fun flick, and if they're doing it right, then that's what it succeeds at. A lot of them that I've seen, uh, I, I think, really do succeed in doing that. So, so, yeah, I think the movies are a lot of fun, and of course I like the ones of the 70s more than certain movies that would try to, you know, be kind of a throwback, I guess to something like that, even though I think some of the throwback movies work. I thought Black Dynamite was pretty good, but but yeah, I certainly prefer the ones back then, because at least those are more genuine, um, yeah, and, I, I, and, I like the, and I like the soundtrack and the 70s ones a lot better as well. So, so yeah, so I, 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 get a kick, I get a kick out of a lot of them. And you know, it's a very, it's a, certainly a subgenre, but it goes to a lot different other genres in themselves too whether it's comedy drama horror there's so many of them that you can get different emotions and reactions out of a lot of them it's not just they're not all dolomite they're not all they're not all like shaft they're not all like uh black caesar you know you can watch several of them for several different reasons and get enjoyment out of them in a lot of different ways and yeah, I I think black exploitation it was a product of its time, and mm-hmm. like Brad like Brad you pointed out, I think they had great soundtracks. Some of them had a social conscience. They were actually were trying to yeah to to bring up what was wrong in society at the time, and that has kind uh-huh. of been lost to time. But they are great movies with great performances. I mean, for for every Rudy Ray Moore. You've got a Fred Williamson or a Pam Greer that just knocks it out of the park in the acting department. And the ones that and the ones that actually are trying to say something, I think it's still noticeable now. You know, certainly it's been 40 years later, but you can still tell looking at it now when one was trying to do something a little more important than something like Dolomite or the Human Tornado. Like you 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 can put in when you look at when you look at like the final come down or superfly you can tell the difference between that and Petey wheat straw you can you even in, even in the subgenres of those you can tell the difference between blackula which was relatively serious and, and it was trying to make make a a message out of you know eternal love and all that you know just taking right from dracula versus something like dr black and mr hyde which is just goofy yeah. So yeah. yes, they're in the same genre, but they're not even close to being the same kind of film. Blackula has William Marshall, who has one of the most awesome voices of all time. Yeah, he's the king of cartoons. <laughs> Hell yeah. He's also Tony Stark on the old Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends cartoon. Damn right. So he was Iron Man. Damn it. He was. He was also. He was Black Exorcist and Abby as well. Well, and we're actually going to be doing a live new geeks with a movie called Voodoo Black Exorcist. Beautiful. Yes, we are. So nice. on th- on that note, where can we find Suede Alex? Or sorry, the Marquis de Suede Alex. www.geekjuicemedia.com. You can find you can find Alex at fistfulofsuede.com. <laughs> Don't <laughs> encourage them. <laughs> where can we find Jonesy? Thecinemasnob.com. You can find me at geekjuicemedia.com as well. You can contact the show at 1201beyond. 
at gmail.com. Have a black exploitation night, guys. He is a